Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's see what's going on today. I have a little opener here, uh, a report from the Future of Manufacturing 2020 and Beyond, and here's a quote, and this was something I found on NIST.gov. Here's the quote to set us up today. There's no doubt that by the year 2020, manufacturers in every industry will have invested billions of dollars in a wide array of advanced digital and fabrication technologies. So a couple of key words in there. Number one is manufacturers. Number two could be 2020 and beyond. Number three, advanced digital. And number four, technologies. And let's not forget investing billions. So what are we talking about today? Well, the Internet of Things. Come on, we talk about that all the time here on Game Changers. We fondly call it the IoT. Robots, AI, that's artificial intelligence, and distributed intelligence are going to touch most industry sectors. But we think manufacturing is at the bleeding edge of what is happening here, and we can use one word to describe it, disruption. So what is the impact on manufacturing? Well, there's something called smart factories, something called mass customization. That may even be an oxymoron. If you customize for one person or one order or one customer, how can it be mass customization? Well, if customization, you do it a lot, it is, and 3D printing. These are simultaneously posing opportunities and threats to what's considered to be traditional manufacturing. As they say, it's not your grandpa's factory anymore. So how are industry-leading manufacturers innovating to deliver new products and services that meet what their market is demanding and transforming economies, consumers, and the supply chain? We have so much to discuss today. I have a panel of three experts who are going to help us take a deep dive, and I'm going to learn along with them. First up, in just a moment, I'll be introducing you to Dr. Tom Bradish. He spells his last name B-R-A-D-I-C-I-C. He is with HPE. He's a VP and GM, that's Vice President and General Manager. Joining him on the panel is Indranil Sarkar, CTO and Director of Business Strategy at Microsoft Manufacturing Industry. They're both newcomers, and I welcome them especially. And rounding out the panel, third up will be Mike Lackey. He's been on before several times, Global VP of Solution Management for Digital Manufacturing at SAP. So welcome, gentlemen. Very, very happy and pleased and privileged to have you on the show. Let's start off with Dr. Tom Bradish at HPE. And Tom, has, Tom, may I call you Tom or do you want me to call you Dr. Tom? What's your pleasure? No, it, it doesn't matter. Go ahead and call me Tom. Let's uh, be more friendly. It'll be great. Let's be more friendly. That's fine. Okay, so Tom has sent us a quote from the Bible, specifically Matthew 7, 7. I also found it in Luke eleven nine, And here is the quote. It's very familiar to, I think, to almost everybody around the world. Seek and you shall find. Ask and it shall be given to you. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. So officially, Dr. Tom Bradich at HPE. Welcome to the show. And Tom, tell us how this quote relates to our topic today. Go ahead. Well, sure. It's, it's quite inspirational for me because to me, it, 
engenders the notion of being proactive. And obviously that's the, uh, the literal text there. Uh, clearly there's a spiritual dimension to this, but in the uh, secular world as we're to be proactive with seeking out and being a first mover. That's how it inspires me. Now, first mover is doing something that has not been done before. And in my world, creating products and solutions that have never been done before. That's the definition of a first mover. And when you're a first mover, it can catapult the success of your customers, uh, your company, and and even uh, your career because you're doing something that A, has never been done before, and B, is giving a value to the industry and to customers that has never been seen before. And those values are more tangibly on the supply side. It can result in higher margin. On, uh, also, it can result in a halo effect that you're a leader. And also on the supply side, it can result in you learning more so you can do the subsequent generation better than your competitors. Now, what I like to say is to my team is we don't follow trends. We set trends. So I want to hear ideas and I want to hear activity, particularly low to, uh, uh, associated with the uh, manufacturing world and IoT, which is the subject here, that are trendsetters. And being a trendsetter, we can then help our customers set trends in their industries. So it means a lot to me to have that motivation uh, in my heart and in the way I can practically manifest it in my career with my team. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting, Tom. Um, we don't usually get biblical quotes on the show, but it was just so perfect. I was so interested in seek and you shall find. Is this a mantra you would suggest to business leaders in manufacturing saying, don't stay with the old, don't stay with the status quo, look harder, you will find it, it is there. Innovation is basically knocking on the door, but you have to be ready to open the door. Is that something you would encourage people to think about? Yes, absolutely. In other words, don't respond to a TAM, a total addressable market. Actually make one. It's, it's somewhat of an unusual, uh, uncommon thought, right? We're always looking for data of TAMs and directions, but go make them uh, with your customers. Help them understand what they may need, not necessarily what they ask for at mm-hmm. the moment. Uh, and that uh, we attribute Henry Ford and others to, to quotes along those lines is um, they're not looking for a faster horse and buggy. They're looking for the automobile. And that's how the new product category, you know, of an automobile, you know, was made. I often tell my team that waiting and hoping is not a plan. Proactivity mm. is a plan, right? Seeking out and being aggressive and proactive is the plan. And it's the only way to do it. And you can't do it alone. You have to be proactive with customers, with uh, partners, also with the analyst community. But the point is, it's got to start with you. You've got to wait, don't respond, but rather be proactive and make the market as opposed to responding to the market. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I I often wonder, Tom, when we have these kind of statements, if everybody followed that advice, then who would be left? It would be all leaders and no followers. Somehow there has to be a, a... Uh, sorting out of the order, if you will, of the leaders and the followers, but certainly great advice, and thank you so much. We're very pleased to have you on the show. We're going to hear a lot more from you later on, and now let me go slightly around the table to our second guest, Indranil Sarkar at Microsoft Manufacturing Industry, and Indranil has sent us a quote from the Dalai Lama, those of you not familiar. Dalai Lama currently is the 14th Dalai Lama. I'm not going to read, well, I will. The full name is Jetson Jamfel Nwabwan. 
Sang, Lab Sang Yishi Tenzin Gyatso, born Lamo Thandup in 1935 on July 6, and that's the current Dalai Lama. Um, let's see, this is part of the School of Tibetan Buddhism, formerly headed by somebody named Gandan Tripas, and that's all I'm going to say here. So here is the quote, listen up everyone. With realization of one's own potential and self-confidence in one's ability, one can build a better world. Indranil, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for joining me. Talk to me about this quote. How in the world did we get a quote from, we just had a biblical quote related to our topic on new <laughs> technologies and manufacturing, and now we're getting a quote from Dalai Lama. I, I really appreciate this looking back in time to very formidable quotes. So how did you pick this one for us today? Well, I think, uh, you know, if you think about uh, technology, I mean, technology has been uh, advancing uh, the human, uh, you know, kind essentially in different endeavors, you know, in our daily life in uh, industrial world as we manufacture things. Um, and it's all about, ultimately, it's all about uh, self-empowerment and that individuals um, are the ones who will uh, who participate in building these products, who are also the users of many of the products and the technology that we develop. And I think uh, there is a potential that how do we ensure that these technologies are firstly available to everybody and that it is able to drive uh, a better good for the mankind as such, because there is also the potential to go in a completely in a different direction, you know, where people won't be empowered, won't be able to utilize and go in a negative way. And I, as we actually see a lot of those core uh, new technologies like AI and others are coming you know, mainstream, becoming you know a lot of usage within the uh, within our daily life. Uh, we always start thinking about what is the ethics behind it, and I think that's mm -hmm. one of the things that we are talking about over here. I think this quote resonated very well. That it's about that self-realization of one's potential, and then the confidence, the self-confidence that can basically transform an individual increasing these good qualities and then helping to build a better world. And I think that's where it resonated the most uh, for me, that it's all individuals who will ultimately um, be being part of this broader ecosystem, whether it is in manufacturing or in technology, being able to then uh, build a better world as part of it. Thank you, Indranil, and I especially appreciate personalizing the topic because it does always come down to people. You're absolutely right. It's not just entities. It's not just enterprises. There are people working there. There are people who are involved and the vision, and you can't build a team without good people, and I think Tom Bradish was just telling us about how he empowers his team every day. So thank you very much. Great quote, and we're also looking forward to a lot more from you. And now let me go slightly around the table to Mike Lackey. Mike at SAP, and Micah sent us a quote from Elon Musk, who is certainly in the news today, but we're not going to talk about that. Anybody, as I like to say, hiding under a rock doesn't know who he is. Elon Reeve Musk. He has three letters after his name, FRS. Born in 1971. I called that a kid. He's a business magnet, investor, and engineer. You may be familiar with him as the founder, CEO, and lead designer of SpaceX, the co-founder, CEO, and product architect of Tesla, Inc., and that's why he's in the news a lot these days and co-founder and CEO of Neuralink and a co-founder of PayPal. 
In December 2016, he was ranked 21st on Forbes' list of the world's most powerful people. And this August, right now, actually, we're almost at the end of August 2018. His net worth is a mere $20.2 billion, and he is listed on Forbes as the 46th richest person in the world. That gives you a clue as to how much wealth there actually is in the world. And here is the quote from Elon Musk that Mike has selected. I don't spend my time pontificating about high concept things. I spend my time solving engineering and manufacturing problems. Mike Lackey, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. We're delighted. Talk to me. Well, listen, you know, I can't say enough about Elon Musk as a visionary and, and someone who innovates every day. You know, he also states if you wake up in the morning and if you think about how you're going to change the future, it's a great day. So, uh, but what struck me about this statement is, you know, I get the pleasure of, of meeting with a lot of customers. And whether it is the smart factory, digital factory, live factory, they have a vision where they want to go. And a lot of times I get the question is, I want Industry 4.0. And I ask one simple question, what business problem are we trying to solve? And I hear I want Industry 4.0 or I want the smart factory. Applying technology for the sake of applying technology without solving a business problem is not a win, a winning situation. So there's so much innovation happening in manufacturing right now from additive manufacturing you know, and with the industrial IoT, we're not only collecting more data than ever before, we're collecting the right data. Uh, you know, augmented reality playing a big play in, in what's mm-hmm. happening on the shop floor. But we have to apply this technology to solve business problems. And if we can solve those business problems and we have those clearly defined, then we're going to change the way companies manufacture today and in the future. And we're going to create, you know, this smart factory. And we can you know, take advantage of this industry 4.0 initiatives that are going around the world today. So uh, that's what I loved about this quote. It's like, let's solve problems. Uh, If we can do that, and innovation and technology has a big play in the future. There you go. And, and Mike, I remember a couple of years ago, we had a, well, about two years ago, we had a series called The Future of Manufacturing with Game Changers. And even before that, I've covered, you know, we have 38 different theme series under the Game Changers radio banner. And I remember several years before that series, we talked about how exciting manufacturing was becoming to the point where people were bragging, my son or my daughter works in a factory. He or she is holding an iPad. They're part of what's happening. They are interacting with the machinery, perhaps with the robots on the shop floor. They are excited to go to work, and I'm excited that they chose this industry for their profession. Are we still hearing that, Mike? Well, you know, Bonnie, great question. And the reason I say that is uh, the people that are coming into manufacturing are empowered more than they ever been before. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this talk about automation. Uh, you know what? I can get 3 to 5% efficiency improvement by just focusing on the employees, not mm-hmm. putting new robots or cobots or automation, but giving the employees more of what they need to do their job, taking it to the point of work, not the point of data entry. So, you know, there is a, a, a level of pride for the people who are taking this move to manufacturing. The problem is, we have over 400,000 unfilled jobs, manufacturing jobs in North America today. And by the year 2022, I think it will be like 2.5 million. So, you know, we have to continue to innovate uh, our system, especially at SAP. We're putting a lot of effort into that user interface and to make it, you know, the millenni- something the millennials want to work. 
want to work in and want to work with these systems here. So attracting talent is no one problem, but once we get the talent, um, I will tell you, I was, uh, I was talking to a professor at Georgia Tech, one of the finest institutes in the country for manufacturing industrial engineers the other day, and he says, you know, we're not educating our students for the jobs of today or tomorrow, but the jobs of the future. And I think as long as our academic systems and, and companies like Microsoft and, and HP Enterprises and, and SAP, as we continue to focus on the worker of the future and put out these innovative mm-hmm. systems, we're going to make that statement a reality. But right now we have a big gap in, in the workforce. Thank you very much. That's very interesting. I wasn't expecting you to say that, but I think there's hope there, Mike. I think that's a very optimistic statement that there are good jobs that will excite people. And you mentioned millennials. I'm always shocked to look at the statistic today that what we call the demographic cohort of millennials are actually in their mid-30s already. Uh, I'm thinking, seriously? (laughs) Seriously? I thought they were the kids. No, we've got the X's and the Y's after them, and who knows how many letters we're going to have to come up with to keep generations. So good to know that there is an awareness. It has to be about people, and that reflects back on the opening comments from Indranil Sirkar and and as well as Dr. Tom Bradder. So thank you, Mike, for wrapping this up. I'm glad I asked a good question. You know I always try my best. So let's go around the table one more time to Dr. Tom Bradish at HPE. And Tom, now it's time to find out a little bit more about you, although you've already given us some, some clues and insights into how you do your job and how you work with people, which are great. We'd love to know, number one, what part of the country or the world are you in today? Where are you calling from? Number two, what's your favorite drink that powers Dr. Tom Bradish? What gets you going, gets you excited, and keeps you moving? Any kind of a drink. And number three, what exactly do you do as the VP and GM at HPE? So, Tom, it's all yours. Okay, let me answer that in reverse order. Is that okay? Or do you any order you want? Too? Any order you want. It's up to you. Well, great. Let me uh, please answer what I'm doing here. I run a business unit in the Hewlett Packard Enterprise Company that is called IoT Converged Edge Systems and Edge to Cloud Systems. So we have a cloud data center dimension, but we have a very strong focus on the edge. And the edge is simply not the data center and not the cloud. It's the place where the things are in the IoT. It's a manufacturing floor in this case of our discussion, but also could be a power grid in a smart city, an autonomous vehicle, a military zone. Your home is also an edge. So we're focusing very much on extending um, IT and operational technologies out to the edge. And I'm uh, leading some of the charges within my company and find it a a privilege to be able to do that uh, with my team. Uh, Related, I am right now, as you ask, in the great city of Philadelphia. I'm Mm -hmm. meeting with a very large customer here that is uh, working on revolutionizing their edge. And the edge to cloud systems allow us to run simultaneously. The same software that runs in the cloud can run now at the edge, which in a communications world, it could be a, simply a shack or a small building in a neighborhood. In a manufacturing world, it would be the manufacturing floor. Right, That's the edge. And to be able to simultaneously run the same apps, such as SAP applications, Microsoft applications, um, artificial intelligence applications, right at the edge as opposed to sending the data to the cloud is a big, a big focus of mine. And uh, as we uh, move these and we invent products to do this, and we converge control systems in with these products that can run these enterprise apps at the edge, right on the manufacturing floor. Uh, we've created a new product uh, class, a new product category called Converged Edge Systems, 
um, and the edge line uh, converged edge systems are a confluence of operational technologies and IT, which leads to my favorite drink. Mm-hmm. And my favorite drink is a peanut butter and chocolate shake because it converges both peanut butter and chocolate, two things that to me are very valuable. And the fact that they're converged in a single offering has several benefits. Um, It's easier to deploy because it's one thing to hold up and drink. It is also less cost because I don't have to buy the packaging of the peanut butter and and the chocolate. It takes less energy, so it's green when you converge things. So all these things I can impute on my favorite drink, I impute on the convergence of operational technologies and, and information IT technologies and what we're doing at the edge as well. Even if I wasn't doing the edge line uh, systems work at the edge, it would still be my favorite drink. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you very much. How's the weather in the city of brotherly love? We should probably make it sisterly love too. How's the weather up there in Philly? Well, weather is relative. It's sunny and muggy, but uh, frankly, I'm also in uh, Texas a lot. And uh, the the mugginess does uh, uh, doesn't it, it exceeds in Texas. It's much more uh, humid as well. But but very nice. Lots of action up here, and amazing food at the um, reading terminal. Thank you very much. I'm, that, but <laughs> I'm glad you're able to contact us today. We're very happy to have you here. I know you're very busy. And thank you, Tom. And Ellis, turn to Indranil Sirkar. Indranil, same three questions in any order. You please. Where are you today? What's your favorite drink that powers you? I'm still thinking about peanut butter and chocolate. Those are also, Tom, two of my <laughs> favorite things, especially dark chocolate. I won't go into recipes now, but you really, really got me thinking off the topic here. Uh, we might have to invent a new drink or a new candy bar or something before the end of the show. Indranil, where are you calling from? What do you love to drink? I'm ready for that. And what do you do at Microsoft? Go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you, Mani. Um, and I really uh, enjoyed uh, the way how uh, Tom talked about the, uh, you know, the peanut butter um, and the shake part of it. Obviously, I'll get somewhere close to that, but I'll come, to, I'll come to that later part of it. I'm actually calling from uh, Santa Clara in California, and um, that's where I live, and I enjoy the weather out here in California. And so, uh, so that's definitely uh, one of the uh, things I always look forward to during my daytime, you know, going outside and enjoying uh, part of that bright sunshine and all of that. Um, as for the drink itself, I do uh, prefer uh, non-dairy smoothie, actually. And I like it primarily because it's an energy booster in the morning. And um, I have gone away from uh, having, you know, caffeine in the morning. And, you know, I always look for these, uh, you know, um, the smoothies as the way how it actually not just boosts, you know, it's about part of that whole empowerment part of it, you know, giving antioxidants to the body, making the cells to uh, work further. So for me, the recipe goes in many different ways. I typically utilize, you know, almond and coconut milk combination. Um, I also use sometimes, uh, most of the times, in fact, uh, berries, um, very good, rich in antioxidants, uh, different kinds of berries. Um, sometimes I also add almond butter or, um, you know, apricot and prunes. And uh, so those also adds a lot of good texture to antibody, to the overall smoothie. And then, um, you know, uh, occasionally I'll also use uh, whey protein and a flaxseed powder. Or, and I think really to top that over is a cacao powder. And I really love that, giving, giving that uh, very, very distinct uh, flavor to that part of it. You know something? I feel healthier just listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Yes, I think, 
I think smoothie is becoming a v- much more, you know, mainstream. Like you can find it anywhere you go out there, and you know, and you can choose these various combination non dairy type. And I think that's uh, fantastic. And people use vegetables, and and that's not my favorite part of it. But you know, there are lots of good reasons why people should be using it. But I think you know, I prefer the ones that I just mentioned. Um, so. Uh, now, coming to what I do, and I think, you know, um, the role, I think my role is more as a CTO for the manufacturing industry within uh, Microsoft. Um, I work with a number of customers, and my focus is primarily around um, looking into the future aspects of many of the technology and its application to the business, and, um, and specifically when it comes to manufacturing itself. And, um, you know, uh, giving you some certain examples, like, for example, what does AI mean for manufacturing? And, uh, you know, how does it apply in a factory floor or into the extended value chain and things like that kind of thing? What are the, what are the different things that we will be seeing out there and working with customers? We are being able to develop some of those core concepts and take them forward, you know, infusing these concepts of AI into their environment or, you know, building up new capabilities. And, uh, you know, so that's one of those areas. And when we talk about the capabilities, we think about people processes also. And so, you know, things around modern workplace, you know, what does that mo- the future of modern workplace looks like within the context of manufacturing, you know, applying these various new capabilities like uh, information finding individuals being able to uh, develop these um, bot-based frameworks, you know, that are allowing people uh, to have a very, very open conversations and finding the right level of information and knowledge and bringing back to them as part of those core capabilities. Um, mixed, re- uh, mixed reality is another area, and Mike talked about that a little bit. We are seeing that being very, very mainstream now within the manufacturing. And so my work really revolves around some of those core technology working with that. Um, however, my background is also within supply chain. And so I also spend a lot of time defining how does intelligent supply chain of the future is going to look like. And so I work with a number of uh, partners, including, uh, you know, um, SAP as well as HPE uh, in developing some of these core concepts and jointly taking that to um, market in terms of with customers and, um, you know, developing new capabilities around it. Thank you very much, Indranil. You're also a busy guy, and we really appreciate your time. And now let's move one place around the table. Mike Lackey waiting patiently. Mike, where are you? What do you love to drink? You've done this before. And what's new with you? Go ahead. All right. So, Bonnie, you sure you want to ask me what I like to drink? Sure. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get a milkshake answer. So, no. Uh, I'm actually uh, I'm actually in, in my office here in Atlanta this week. So, it's a... Uh, it's great to be home before a, a holiday here in the U.S. with Labor mm-hmm. Day, so yep. uh, it's good. Atlanta, Atlanta is a beautiful day today, so uh, it's just good to be in the ATL. Uh, I kind of alluded in my introduction, you know, what I do. I spend a lot of time with our customers here at SAP discussing their business problems, where they want to be today, where they want to be in the future, and how SAP technology and our partners' technologies can, can, solve, can solve business problems. You know, I, I love you know, the talk about the edge, and, and HP is doing a great job of helping us solve problems. You know, my customers, they expect us to collect data from machines, analyze it, and tell that machine go or no go in about 150 milliseconds. And if they were sitting on if they were listening to this call, they would be IMing me right now telling me, no, I need 50 milliseconds. 150 is not fast enough. And we're only going to achieve that by working with our partners and moving things down to the edge and re-architecting 
the plant floor of the future. And that's why I really like, uh, you know, the, the partners that we have on this call and how we're working together to solve problems for our customers. So that's where I spend most of my time. And, uh, you know, bringing that back into SAP and sitting with our development teams and driving innovation and saying, hey, guys, it's not just what we need today, but this is where we need to be in the future and what we need to be doing today to deliver that innovation, you know, in the future and solve these business problems for these real customers. So, um, that's pretty cool. So I feel that I'm pretty blessed and um, I got a terrific team. And of course, SAP is very dedicated to our customers and delivering on uh, these commitments for the future. Thank you Bonnie, very you much. House, we're going yep. to, we're going to have the drink that, that made America, you know, um, we're going to have a little bourbon. Uh, <laughs> George Washington made over 11,000 gallons of bourbon at Mount Vernon when, uh, you know, when he was around. So, our first president started it, and uh, I think there's a, a revitalization of the bourbon industry here in North America, and we're just on the cusp of having some of the best bourbon we've had in the last 100 years. So, um, yeah, I look forward to what the future brings in the, in the bourbon industry, but we're going to have a little, a little bourbon over my house. I'm glad. I'll be right there. I'm in Durham. You may remember, Mike. I, actually, yesterday was my one-year anniversary moving from Long Island, New York, to Durham. So uh, I don't think I celebrated. I, I'm just here. That's all. But Tom doesn't know this, and Indra doesn't know this. Mike may remember. Uh, they, they in quotes, the in- institutional, they do not allow me to have any caffeine beverages on radio show days. And today is two shows an hour apart. So all I'm allowed to drink is water. So I have my cool clear mug here with a cup of ice water, a couple of cubes in it through my Brita filter, of course, and I have a yellow straw because it is a gorgeous sunny day here in Durham. We've had an exceedingly hot summer. I call it Florida weather because we can get a thunderstorm, rain squall in the middle of the day, out of the blue, sky turns dark, trees go sideways, rain pelts everything across the windows sideways on the street, and then 20 minutes later, it's blue skies and sunshine again and in the 90s. So, I'm getting used to Florida weather in Durham, North Carolina. I just want to tell everybody we're going to take a very, very quick break. We have three extraordinarily smart gentlemen on the show today, Dr. Tom Bradish at HPE, Indranil Sarkar at Microsoft Manufacturing, and Mike Lackey at SAP. If you haven't guessed, our topic is Hot New Technologies Transforming Manufacturing. We've already talked about so many aspects of what's going on in manufacturing today, but the bottom line is it is an exciting place to be. There are lots of jobs waiting to be filled. Talent needs to be attracted and new technology needs to find the investment of business leaders. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be back. 90 seconds. You can account them along with us. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. An unprecedented pace of change, driven by exciting technology advances like the Internet of Things, is disrupting your industry and every other industry around the globe. Your future business success will be influenced by your ability to understand and harness these innovations and many more. Mobile devices instantaneously connecting the world populations, robotics, 3D printing, and self-driving cars. The sharing economy and ubiquitous global business networks. Reality Check. The future is happening right now. 
Join us for insights from industry experts on what it all means for your business and your daily life. The Future of the Future with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of the Future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of the future with Game Changers. Yes, indeed. This is the future of the future. We're talking about hot new technologies transforming manufacturing. Yes, you know the hot new technologies, AI and IoT and 3D printing and more and more and more. Special panelists today are Dr. Tom Bradish at HPE. If you're just tuning in, you might want to look him up. He's got a lot of interesting videos and quotes online, B-R-A-D-I-C-I-C-H. We've got Indranil Sarkar, last name S-I-O. R-C-A-R at Microsoft and Mike Lackey at SAP, L-A-C-K-E-Y if you want to spell his name too. So we're going to officially start our roundtable even though we really have already been deep in the roundtable for the first half of the show. I'm looking at notes here Dr. Tom Bradish sent and this is, I'm going to read a little bit. Tom's going to run with it for about two minutes and then we'll see what what Indranil and Mike have to say. So here's what we're talking about. Creating new products in corporate culture can be quite challenging, but creating new product categories, now listen up, he's talking categories, not just the products in them, is even more so. So I know there are a bunch of risks. You've got three listed here. I'll let you talk about them. Tom, go ahead. Well, thanks. New, new product categories. These are things that don't exist. Uh, real quickly, there was a day where there wasn't a notebook computer. Right. And in fact, I, as a young engineer, had to explain to my manager why somebody would carry around a computer. So that's going back a while, of course. Uh, then there was a day there was one. That's a new category. There was a day there wasn't a smartphone. Right. And we all have them now. So that's what we're talking about, a new category. There was a day there wasn't an automobile. Whoever invented the first automobile created a new product category. And every automobile since then is a new product not a new product mm-hmm. category right, right in there. So that's the idea. So the um, manufacturing world, specifically the IoT dimension of the manufacturing world, and I think we'd all agree IoT has achieved celebrity status today, so it's very, very popular, uh, well is a put. rich environment right, for us to create new product categories, not just new products. And what we've done, and I'm working on personally, is taking the back to convergence or the confluence or the integration those are all synonyms of two things, control systems, data capture, and industrial networks that exist out in the edge in the manufacturing floor, but converging them and integrating them in the same box as enterprise-class cloud-based IT, moving it out of the cloud to the edge. So this is no compromised IT technology, not edge versions or little wimpy cores per se, but full uh, Intel Xeon technology with 96 terabytes of memory, for example, at the edge. But we combine them with control systems uh, and uh, PLC aggregators, for example, that exist out there. So that's the uh, the peanut butter and chocolate combination I was referring to with the food 
a metaphor as my mm-hmm. favorite drink. Now, why is it hard? It's hard because is it really an OT product, operational technology, or is it really an IT product? Well, we don't know because it's never been done before. There's no analyst data on such a product category. No company has done it before. There's no history. So it's extremely important to launch new product categories on vision and judgment. And you can form your vision and judgment by talking primarily to end users, right, to customers. And I call them inspiration customers. So a large auto manufacturer is deploying this edge line converged edge system that we have. And I receive tremendous inspiration from them to continue to get this funded and produced in the, in, in the industry. So the first risk of customer purchasing is beginning to be solved by customers buying it. And now mm-hmm. it's a matter of can your company tolerate the new product category because it, it's unfamiliar with how to market it. It's unfamiliar in many ways with supply chain. So as you overcome those risks, you will be successful in not just creating new products but new product categories. Thank you. Very, very interesting. I like the way you broke that out, the market risk, the manufacturing, and the company risk. If you had to prioritize that, what's first? Is it the company risk? Because that really, that's where it all comes from, isn't it? Tom, if the company can't tolerate, figure out how to get it out there, isn't our manufacturing and, and the market risk, are those secondary or do I have it backwards? Just quickly. Well, you know, it, it it's hard to prioritize, but I tell you in my experience, having uh, created four new product categories in my career, career um, with, like I mentioned, the first notebook and the first mm-hmm. uh, converged system or blade server, enterprise class blade server, those things, I've discovered it's the company that is the most protracted. And I don't say that negatively because yep. the company has to be preoccupied with what's next, right? And uh, we, we would flip back to Christensen's Innovator's Dilemma, where the cash cow in the current enjoyment of success can prohibit a visionary, unfamiliar you know, effort. And that's where the first mover who wants to create a new category needs tremendous uh, uh, skill, tenacity, and mostly patience you know, to get through that. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I had a feeling company was the first, was the top one. That was the, the could be the sticking point. Thank you very much, Tom. Let's see what Indranil Sarkar has to say about this. Indranil is at Microsoft Manufacturing Industry. Indranil, agree or disagree with anything that Tom introduced? A good topic. Go ahead. And absolutely, and I think um, Tom basically highlighted the the where the whole industry is moving. Um, and I think you know uh, there is the thing aspect, right? Obviously, it's about physical products, uh, but then we also see uh, the evolution of the software because now everything being connected it also adds to a tremendous amount of complexity. So when we talk about when Tom is talking about the category, it's also about taking it from that concept and the whole life cycle of it from manufacturing and the whole life cycle of it, and then having that visibility into how do you manage that whole entire process itself. And, you know, there are many elements. I mean, if you think about that in the past, you would think about elements of uh, the the uh, solution itself included, like, you know, how do you actually support it and so on and so forth. Now it is a continuous feedback loop that provides that visibility, not just into the product. Mm-hmm. Now, you can think of a physical product being manufactured within the manufacturing, uh, within a plant, but it is also the plant itself where the equipment builders are providing those, uh, you know, the, the, the framework or the equipment that itself are connected and providing that level of uh, complexity or the visibility. And so, with 
we talk about the category, and its category has become the building block within the construct of a larger factory. And so it's very, very important to understand, you know, what would it take to bring all of these components together. The next part of it, obviously, is what is the reason why would we want to do that? It's the development of these new business models out there. You know, how do you actually develop uh, new capabilities, you know, where we are collapsing these various traditional ways how people did the business or did the manufacturing and being able to have this telemetry data, you're using the sensor-based replenishment as one of those examples of it or utilizing, you know, the capacity planning aspect using some of these data uh, from the factory floors and so on and so forth. So it's the data also plays a significant role within that construct and so we feel that this is uh, very, very uh, well-defined, you know, I mean, as we see this evolution will happen within that particular uh, segment, you know, in the product categorization and how people will build those things out. Thank you very much, Indranil. I love the energy when you speak. I can tell you're very invested in this topic, as are our other panelists. Mike Lackey, let's hear your energetic response to what Tom introduced and or what Indranil commented. Go ahead. You know, Bonnie, you know, when Tom was talking about it wasn't IT or it OT, uh, there's not a category with analysts. Well, you know, we have this convergence of IT and OT coming together. So we're creating these new categories. And it's all driven about the idea of speed, right? Um, you know, one thing that, that um, was said is that there's these new business models happening in the boardrooms, right? We're not going to mm-hmm. sell you a product anymore. We're going to sell you a service. So products as a service. And that puts a lot of pressure, and we have to change our business processes and manufacturing to support that. I don't know about mass customization, but I do know this lot size of one is reality, and I want mm-hmm. to, to deliver individual value to the customer. And if you can do that, you can, you, know, you can demand a premium. You're not competing on price. And that's what customers are really focusing or our manufacturers are focused on is their companies delivering added value and overseeing expectations of the customer. So I really you know, think that this ITOT is becoming more blurred. It's coming together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we don't separate the two as much as we used to anymore because it's about the speed of data, the speed of innovation, and the speed at which we can deliver to our customers is what's driving uh, in this, this category of, of new products or even new categories out there. Thank you, Mike, and thank you, Tom, for that great topic. And I'm going to move quickly here to something from Indranil Sarkar's notes. Indranil, you, you talk about the four. Let me just read one, but I don't want you to go there. I have one I, I'm specifically focusing on. You say the fourth industrial revolution is transforming manufacturing production. Disruptive technologies like IoT, AI, mixed reality, 3D printing are powering digital platforms <clears throat> Excuse me, in creating the foundation for the factory of the future. And that's where we've been headed in the conversation. But what I'd really like you to comment on, Indranil, is new technology will enable factories to embrace human-centered manufacturing. And this brings us uh, to mind, remember the, the old Charlie Chaplin film of him working on an assembly line? And we all, we've all we all seen so many, the old uh, Lucille Ball, remember I Love Lucy? And she and Vivian mm-hmm. were working in the chocolate factory and they couldn't keep up with, with the line. It was just a small version of manufacturing. But So talk to me, human-centered manufacturing, what exactly? Exactly, is that? Yeah, and I think uh, this is one of those uh, founding principles within the industrial uh, well, industry 4.0. And I think you know when we talk about uh, Internet of Things, uh, what we obviously miss out is uh, bringing up uh, Internet of People. 
Because, you know, ultimately mm-hmm. there are humans uh, that are involved in many of those processes itself. And so, um, you know, and they have been um, within manufacturing and they will continue to be as much as we see a lot of uh, the factories are being automated to a level where, uh, you know, uh, you don't need that much of intervention at this point of time. But you are seeing right. that people are moving into a higher order of um, activities or, you know, uh, efficiencies and what they are uh, likely to do. And so when we talk about uh, the human-centered manufacturing, we look at, you know, for example, you know, through system integration, for instance, you know, it will facilitate dynamic work schedule that will respect individuals, you know, availability and when they are and at a right place, right time when they would be able to be brought into it. Uh, we also see things like, you know, collaborative robots, you know, where robots are working with human being able to recognize and uh, take up some of the redundant tasks that typically you have to program in a way where robots themselves will be much more self-directed to be able to do that. Uh, We are seeing capability things like the factory assistants and uh, virtual agents being able to support, you know, individuals to uh, do better work or even individual simple things like cognitive quality processes that takes away individuals need to be very, very engaged and it is a very tasking effort in looking through every single quality. Uh, uh, The systems itself will detect and we'll be able to find that part of it. And so when we talk about that, and it's basically advancing some of those core capabilities, utilizations of mixed reality, providing providing all the information in the visual context for an individual hands-free being able to work with that. And that's the aspect of when we talk about the uh, human-centered manufacturing. Thank you very much. That that answers, so many people are afraid. We see it, is it hype, is it real, Indranil, that their jobs are going to be taken away by robots. What will I do? How will I earn a living? The factory is going to be all automated. And I've heard, I've read in the digitalistmag.com and, and I've heard from you and other people that this will, this automation will free up the human brain, the human energy, the human presence in industries like manufacturing to do other things that are more useful for our brains, for our functionality. So thank you very much. Mike Lackey, love to get your thoughts on what Indranel just shared. Talk to me. Uh, I think Indranel did a, a great job on, on stating a, a lot of things that we're seeing out there with the humans. I think he's exactly right. Uh, you know, cobots, you know, robots working next to humans and they're in what they're doing. You know, what we've seen over time and right in this new industry, 4.0, we're really getting to a concept called the intelligent enterprise where, you know, Mm -hmm. the intelligence that's on the back end is now coming down to the shop floor. If you look at it, automation came out, and what it does is really replace repetitive tasks. And that's increasing even more with the innovation, the automation we're putting on the shop floor. And what that does is it frees up the worker to do the high-value task, where they're able to think and they're able to react and they're able to be more technical and bring more value uh, in manufacturing into the shop floor. So I think as the... Uh, that's what's going to attract these new millennials or uh, the, the next generation to the shop floor is they're doing more high value tasks versus, uh, you know, stuffing chocolates down their shirts, right? It's uh, <laughs> the repetitive tasks will become automated and the workers will become more intelligent in applying their knowledge to the high value task. And I think that's reality. And I think that's kind of what's at the heart of Industry 4.0. Uh, and we're going to see a, a good balance between automation and the, the worker of the future on the shop floor. So I like to, I think Andrew um, Neal did a very nice job of laying that out, and that's what we're seeing, and that's why it's very important that we solution providers like Microsoft and SAP 
provide the interfaces and the intuitiveness in our solutions that attracts talent and makes the that in, empowers that worker on the shop floor. Thank you very much. Indranil, a nice compliment to you there. And uh, Dr. Tom Bradish, love to get your thoughts. Join us, please. What do you think? You know, I think we have to look at the big picture. It, it's my opinion that the amount of things humans can do and will do in the future will always outpace that which can be automated, you know, by, by robots. And if that's not the case, then we've done life wrong and we've stagnated. So when you look at it that way, we have uh, a history of empirical proof that would back up what I'm saying. Computer science has eliminated more jobs than anything, I would think, in at least the modern world, right? But mm-hmm. what has happened to it as well with the advent of the Internet, with the new software we're seeing in machine learning, artificial intelligence, as my colleagues have pointed out here, more and more things are happening that humans can do. So as the human mind, uh, if it has unlimited potential to advance the state of its own being, the state of the environment, uh, the, inst- the, the state of uh, colonization, you know, as we move um, even off our planet, mm-hmm. there'll always be things that humans will do and can do that will outpace that which can be done in an automated or robotic form, and then robotics will catch up, and we see that over you know, and over again. So that's my opinion why um, I'm optimistic about it and that we have to do it right. And if uh, AI, for example, which is controversial, artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. if it does cause uh, a damage in any shape uh, or form to humans, we've done it wrong, right? We, uh, we're responsible for that, and we can control that. So I have a bigger picture view, and I'm happy to share that, and thanks. Thank you very much. Now, we are technically in the crystal ball part of the show where we're going to do predictions. But, Mike Lackey, there's one thing here in your notes we haven't talked about. If you could just give me a 90-second comment on this, I'd appreciate it. And then, Tom, get ready. I'm going to give you exactly 60 seconds for your prediction. So here's what Mike said in his notes. We also see the emergence of 3D printing, which both reduces inventory carrying costs and enables more rapid prototyping and customization of products. Just a quick overview. We might have to do another whole show on 3D printing and manufacturing. But Mike, quick thoughts on this, please. Monty, additive manufacturing is the most disruptive disruptive technology I've seen in the last 30 years in manufacturing. It changes the whole supply chain. It simplifies it to make, you know, to produce uh, on demand. uh, What is going to change manufacturing? Uh, There's a lot of tire kickers today, but we're seeing more and more of 3D printing. The low-hanging fruit is doing replacement parts, but... Mm -hmm. Additive manufacturing is going to come into the mainframe of man or the the mainstream of manufacturing, and it simplifies the whole supply chain, the logistics, and it changes manufacturing. So I think it's a very exciting technology, and everyone should be evaluating or at least taking a look at it and how they can apply it into their global operations today. Thank you very much. Very exciting. I don't think we've ever done a show focusing just on 3D printing, but I have a feeling it might be in somebody's future. We'll have to talk about that offline. So, circling around the table, crystal ball time. Put on your thinking cap. Look ahead. Start with Dr. Tom Bradish at HPE. Tom, 60 seconds. Look into the future. I think that's what you've been doing for most of the show. And tell me what will change dramatically, dynamically, surprisingly about this topic, hot new technologies, transforming manufacturing. 60 seconds. They're all yours. Go. Yeah, let me um, comment quickly on Mike and the 3D printers. Um, I predict that the 3D printer market will collapse when a 3D printer can print a 3D printer. Ah, very <laughs> clever. Is that, yeah. Is that a tautology? Is that a tautology, Tom? Circular reasoning? 
I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe okay. it's rhetorical. Uh, okay, real pre- real prediction. Go ahead. Practical. You got 30 seconds. Yeah. Go ahead. Sure. Um, I think in the future, the future will be easier to predict. And what I mean by that is as we are able to collect more and more data from things, perhaps in the IoT, and as we're able to analyze them more correctly, we can shore up our predictions and conclusions. And anyone studying probability and statistics knows that if the sample N, meaning you know more data, is bigger. And so the way we can take more and more data from things and synthesize them with other things in the IoT and the manufacturing world, we'll be able to predict safety issues, quality issues, predict efficiency and cost issues, and of course, ultimately production issues. So as artificial intelligence is applied, like uh, we are doing, in fact, with my uh, software partner, Spark Cognition, right on the manufacturing floor, right on the oil rig, the future will be easier to predict in the future, and then we can take evasive or proactive actions. Thank you. All optimistic and all good. Indranil Sirkar at Microsoft Manufacturing, 60 seconds, go. Uh, yes. Uh, so um, I think you know, expanding on Tom's point, uh, what we are going to see is more um, the, ex- the extend the influence um, of an open value chain. And I, what I mean by that, it will be more and more of a complex ecosystem of self-regulating and adaptive missions within the factory floor. Um, and it will extend beyond a single site. And so they will be collaborating and being able to produce a, uh, a, a parts in a particular factory and move it into another factory. And managing that whole ecosystem would be something that we will see as we go forward with it. The second area where we also see going to be a significant shift is around uh, bringing in this whole construct around flexible production. And, you know, we will see that it will become more and more cognitive and autonomous, enabling, you know, concepts like self-correction or uh, self-healing as part of it. And Mm -hmm. as already said, additive uh, additive manufacturing will become much, much more prevalent. And the last piece of it, and we already talked about the human-centered manufacturing is the third area that will become much more prevalent uh, to uh, to that effect. And lastly, the business model evolution is another key aspect to making any of those things work. And so we will see that, you know, those things will evolve over a period of time. And uh, it has evolved quite a lot. And I will see, we will continue to see that as part of the going forward. So thank you very much. And I saved just enough time. I have 60 seconds for you, Mike Lackey. You've done this before. So hit me with your prediction. Go ahead. Not too hard. Right. First of all, at HP, 40%, they 3D print 40% of the parts that go on a 3D printer. So 3D printers, printing 3D printers is, is in the near future. There you First go. First of all, I, you're going to see the, the, the history of the mega factories will start decreasing. I think you're going to see more micro factories getting closer to the customers. So manufacturing is going to come back on shore. It's going to get closer to the customer. Um, I think we're going to move from a, to more of a modular type manufacturing environment from a linear that's been the mainstay of the manufacturing community for the last 10 years. You're going to see it get more modular. And I really think with machine learning really driving this predictive, um, you know, and, and using actionable data to make decisions, I think blockchain is a technology that's going to really protect intellectual data uh, throughout the whole supply chain and in manufacturing as well. Thank you very much. Well put and right on time. I want to thank Dr. Tom Bradish at HPE, Indranil Sarkar at Microsoft Manufacturing, Mike Lackey at SAP, and a big, 
big appreciation to Paul Clark at SAP for putting together this wonderful panel. Paul, you outdid yourself on this one. Brad Borkin at SAP for sponsoring the series. And Aaron, Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire, is a very bad cold today, and I hope you feel better. And thank you to the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'll be back in one hour and three minutes with a new episode of Financial Excellence with Game Changers talking about cybersecurity and the Department or Office of Finance. Are you ready? You're going to learn a lot, so don't forget to tune in. That's 12 noon Eastern right here on the Business Channel. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Dr. Tom Bradish at HPE, just like Indranil Sarkar at Microsoft Manufacturing, and of course, just like Mike Lackey at SAP. Signing off for now. I'll be back soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of the Future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.